Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Unfortunately, when it comes to small business transactions, uh, you know, we're, we're not operating within a guidance or a guidance-governed program like real estate, right? So when you sell a piece of real estate, you got to record it. It's, it's recorded for tax purposes. It goes, it goes to the state and local uh, level, and all of those transactions are recorded. It's a requirement. You can't get around it. Business transactions, not so much, right? So you know, when it comes to business transactions, there's only a limited amount of data out there. And, and as appraisers, some of the challenges that we felt early in our career uh, was that lack of data. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back to The Deal Board, everyone. Today, we have an exciting follow-up episode where we've talked about valuation a couple times before. It's our most, um, I would say, most popular topic, that and the banking stuff, the SBA, which is our previous episode. So we wanted to take a different approach today and bring in two top industry experts in valuation. Yeah, folks can't just get enough of this subject. And so we wanted to bring in two experts that we've worked with for many, many years. And I brought in Darren Mize of GCF Valuations. Uh, he has been working with us. He just looked it up. He said he bought his company 25 years ago. I bought my company 25 years ago. And we were introduced early on in our careers. And uh, Darren and his brother uh, have been doing a great job of doing valuations, do a ton of valuations for SBA lenders. So they have their finger on the marketplace right now. And Darren gives us a great update of exactly what's happening in the marketplace, how they're approaching uh, the COVID crisis and what happened to businesses during the COVID crisis, previous to the COVID crisis, post-COVID crisis. And it's a very interesting conversation. He also talks about his company, PeerComps. And PeerComps is a unique set of data that is derived from all the SBA deals out there. And uh, Darren does a great job of explaining it. But you talked a lot about that as well, right? Yeah, so I was really excited. I had David Fine. He's the CEO of Value Source on the show. Um, Value Source has been a major player in the business brokerage and M&A industry. They've been around for 36 years. Um, and they really are one of the go-to resources for data in the industry. And also they provide software solutions and valuation solutions um, for business brokers and advisors. But we talked really a lot about data. So Andy, you and I talk a lot about multiples and like, you know, what are some rules of thumb and where do we, you know, how do we value different businesses and different industries? And what David um, lets us see, like kind of behind the curtain is how is this data actually compiled? You know, how, what's the quality of the data? Where did they get it from? How often did they get it? And it's, it's a really good conversation for listeners that are wondering, okay, so you talk about these valuation multiples of like, you know, four times EBITDA or two times SDE, like where does all this information come from? And David pulls back the curtain and he unveils all of that for us today. Yeah, I think what you'll be surprised about is how the data really kind of points. It's very consistent. It's, it's mm -hmm. and over the years, over geographies, 
uh, over industries. And that's what you're going to hear from both of these experts. So it is a great show to just kind of listen and really take the next level uh, introduction into valuation. Yeah, we're listening to our listeners and we know that valuation, what's my business worth is the number one question we can answer for you on the show. We also have um, a new addition to the show. We're going to start putting multiple listings of the week on the show. So we're going to talk a little bit about this in our next show, which I'll tease a little bit, is about what's going on in the business for sale market. But we have a lot of new listings coming to market. So we're going to have two listings of the week this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a great episode. And uh, yes, the marketplace is starting to happen. And maybe those baby boomers, they're all coming out. We're seeing it. So I think they're coming out. And this may be the year that it really starts to pop this marketplace. And so we want to bring you as many listings as we can uh, in each episode. Yeah. So hopefully you enjoy the show and we'll see you next time when we're going to give a market update for Q1 2022. Yeah, let's get to it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And I have a great guest. Again, we're talking about valuations again, because it's such an important topic. And I have one of the gurus of valuation with me, Darren Mize. And I've known Darren for 25 years. We were just grousing that we've both been in business for about 25 years. And he is head of GCF Valuations, which he started with his family, his brother. And they do tons of valuations in our industry. And they, and they, actually do valuations for many, many SBA banks. So it is great to have you on, Darren. Welcome. Well, thank you, Andy. It's my pleasure to be here. I know we've seen a lot of each other lately, and my guess is we'll continue to do so. Not, the, not, not to mention the fact that it's always good to see anyway. So regardless of what we're talking about, happy to be here today. Yeah, we, we wear the same hairstyle, so it's good. We, we fit right <laughs> in. So Darren, um, you know, we've talked a lot of, of different things about valuation, but I think uh, why don't we just kind of give you a little bit of background about GCF and what you're seeing out there in the world these days. Well, uh, I, for, I'll, I'll just go back. I mean, in our 25 years, we've obviously have not um, seen something, what we've just seen over the past two years. Uh, 9-11, the Great Recession, now, now a pandemic. Um, it, it's been, and, and, and the funny thing about that, as it relates to market and, and, and specifically in business valuation, um, you know, you can usually get a sense of the impact of those events, but in this particular event, um, nobody's ever seen before in our, at least in our lifetime anyways. And so the, you know, the, the first month or so that, that we were trying to determine what our approach to value was going to be, uh, we, we had to actually just sit back and pause for a minute to find out where everybody was going with all of this. And we knew obviously that things were going to be uh, a, a little inconsistent what we at the time, what we thought was going to be for a month or two, as it turned out, it was really more like a year and a month or two, um, year and a half, really. So, you know, what the, the, the good news is, is that 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 downtime from about March, April, May of 2020, going into the fall, 
um, you could start to see things begin to really pick up again a bit. And you know, thankfully, the uh, the the PPP money and some of the other things that the SBA was doing to help keep small businesses moving in the right direction, which is obviously what our focus was. What can we do to help small businesses in terms to value? Which is why we were doing a lot of these, having a lot of these conversations over that you know that first year year and a half. So um, I, I think that the market has been resilient. I think small businesses have been resilient, quite frankly. Um, business owners, entrepreneurs, everybody was trying to adapt to what they could work with, what they had to work with, what they couldn't work with. Um, and, you know, with the exception of a few industries, I think uh, most businesses actually were uh, were able to, to manufacture a, a reasonable post-COVID rebound uh, in a matter of about six to eight months. Um, and we, we got to see that firsthand. We were right there in the front line. So um, it, it's, it's been a good couple of years to really get a sense of how everybody is, was reacting to all of this. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, we've got the worst of it behind us. Yeah, I, I do, too. We've certainly seen that in people's 2021 numbers. We are at the end of the first quarter of 2022. How important is the beginning of 2022 to you? It, it's great because it, it allows us to, again, go back and look in a, in, in a year window. Now that we've got a full 2021 behind us, which is right now about what we're starting to see, there's usually a lag of about two to three months. So the majority of the valuations that we're doing on companies for our clients uh, are now starting to see that year end come together. So we've got a full 12 month cycle of 2021. And going back to what I said earlier, uh, I would say for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part, uh, we've, we're seeing a nice rebound uh, in, in just about every single industry that's out there. Yeah, I mean, it's been rebounding and really the banks have hung in there for the most part, don't you think? They have, and they have, but they had no choice. They did have some help though. So, um, you know, the, the, the one difficulty for us being in that particular, you know, doing valuations for SBA loans is that in that for in those first couple of months, uh, you know, the payroll protection plan was really the uh, w- was the leader of what their focus was. So, the banks, you know, God bless them, had to shift and process, you know, just an absurd amount of PPP loans, um, which almost lasted until the end of 2020 uh, um, and going into the end of 2021 as well. Um, that was a lot of work for them. So. The good news is those those funds were allowing business owners to keep their workforce in place, which allowed businesses to remain open, which allowed them to at least form some type of a recognizable performance in terms of financial uh, that they could take to market and still try to go out and find buyers for those businesses. The good news is, you know, for people out there that had some money in their pocket, there were some good opportunities out there. And, and I, th- I think the market showed that. Um, some businesses were selling early, some businesses hung on and sold later. Um, so the market, you know, the market in general, the lenders have done very well with that. Um, I, you know, I got to commend them. They all did uh, a fantastic job through those first couple of months. And then, and then immediately went right back to SBA lending and they didn't miss a beat. And so 2021 was, a, was a great year, I think for everybody. Yeah. So the banks rely upon you to value their businesses. Obviously, other people do value their businesses uh, for other reasons. Business owners are coming to you, state purposes, tax purposes. So that's a lot of responsibility. How do you handle that responsibility? How are you approaching these valuations? Well, we we took a stance back in, in mid-2020 uh, that because of the uniqueness of the pandemic, 
we felt like the only way to truly value a company at that point, and we haven't veered away from that just yet, is, is using a forward-looking approach. So discounted cash flow, which by the way, is a, is a pure form of business valuation, present value, future cash flow, nothing wrong with that, right? I'm a purist. I, I, I prefer that method anyways. Um, so we're looking forward. And our objective was to one, try to find that rebound, two, try to make some consistency out of it. So you're looking at a month to month this year versus last year, then you're looking at a quarter to quarter, then you're looking at six months and 12 months. So we you know, we are doing exactly what, what needs to be done, which is on a month to month basis, we're determining performance and the, and the, and the lenders are doing essentially the same thing. Um, we all wanna make sure that, that the, the worst part of that is behind us. And I think we're there. Uh, we haven't necessarily changed that focus just yet. Discounted cash flow is still the approach that we're taking uh, because there's still a little bit of inconsistency and not every business has really gotten back to pre-COVID performance. So um, until we get to a point, you know, I said about this time last year, I felt like it was going to be the end of 2021, maybe early 2022. We're still there. I think once we get past um, the summertime, which I think is probably going to be whether or not we see a main surge in any uh, any variants in, in COVID, I, I think we're going to be okay at that point. We might shift our myth then. Until then, we're, we're sticking with forward-looking. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Okay, great. And so in looking at a business's uh, forward-looking, of course, you're looking at their past financials. And I, you know that's what business brokers rely upon you know, a lot uh, when they're just determining perhaps what the future is going to look like. Our simple man's way of determining the future is let's look to the past and draw a line out into the future. So how does your valuation kind of differ from maybe what business brokers see? Are we more aggressive or, you know, I, I would imagine uh, the brokers are trying to use, paint things in the best possible light. Uh, what are you seeing? What, you know, what kind of adjustments do you usually have to make? Well, I would tell you, you know, in, in the 25 years that we've been doing this, I, I think that from a business valuation perspective, the, the brokers and in, in our viewpoint are, are very much aligned. Um, and, and that hasn't been the case for many of those years. I mean, I, I would tell you up leading up into the pandemic that that business brokers, M&A advisors have always really focused their attention on a historical window of about three to four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the challenge that they, that they had was what year in that window do you focus on? And, you know, our response to all, all of that was it depends on what that window looks like. Right. Um, you know, if you're, if you're moving up or if you're moving down or if you're going up and down, we'll, we'll really dictate exactly how you look at that window. But because COVID, you know, 2020 specifically and now 2021 is just still in a, in a very distant rearview mirror, um, everybody continues to, to look forward at this point. They're, what they're trying to do, and, and, and I agree with them, is they're trying to put that behind us. And the only way that you can do that is to show support for the fact that they've rebounded. And you still go back to the same concept. You look at month to month, quarter to quarter, you compare it to last year, you compare it to 2020, we're still going back to you know 2019. So what we want to be able to do is see, are they at or where they were prior to the pandemic? And in many businesses, you can see that. And many businesses, they, they've shifted a little bit. The things have changed, some for the better, some for the worse. Um, but for the most part, I think we're still aligned, right? Uh, luckily, uh, we're, we're, we are in line with the M&A industry when it comes to how to look at this. I think the challenge, though, is that how aggressive do you want to get on projections? The, I, I think what most M&A advisors are, like you had mentioned earlier, they're kind of swinging for the fences here. 
our our job is to try to pull that back within reason to make sure that there's support for it. If there's not support, and that support comes strictly in, in terms of financials, unless there's something that you can't see that's coming, which the business owner and the broker can tell you, um, we're still using the foundation of this year versus last year is that method. So just a quick example, if, if I'm saying that they're not back to pre-COVID levels yet, but this year is 20% better than where it was a year ago and 50% better than it where it was in 2020, we're sticking with, with that percentage increase in growth. That's how we're projecting the future. Right. All right. Well, that, that's, that's ultimately fair. And I, I like to hear that, you know, we're, we're, get, we're becoming aligned. I mean, you know, 20 years, uh, looking at our industry and and trying to get, you know, real data. I think that's the difference, right? That's the difference where we are today. We're in a much different place than we were 20 years ago. There's not much cash out there in the world. There's a point of sale systems. There's better accounting. Uh, and, and I think all those things, and there's better sold data. And you happen to have some some really good data that you actually are a part of. So why don't you explain that a little bit? Sure. Well, and here's, you know, just going with the concept of data. Um, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to small business transactions, uh, you know, we're, we're not operating within a guidance or a guidance governed program like real estate, right? So when you sell a piece of real estate, you got to record it. It's, it's recorded for tax purposes. It goes, it goes to the state and local uh, level and all of those transactions are recorded. It's a requirement. You can't get around it. Business transactions, not so much, right? So, you know, when it comes to business transactions, there's only a limited amount of data out there. And, and as appraisers, some of the challenges that we felt early in our career uh, was that lack of data. And so what we what we decided that we wanted to do was find some something that would provide us with some confidence and being able to compare one small business with another. And so we came up with uh, peer comps, which is a data transaction, uh, subscription-based data transaction uh, business that provides anybody who is involved in the small business market, the privately held market, uh, to have access to certain types of small business transactions. Um, and that that database is, is representative of deals that were financed with an SBA loan. So it's a very clean source coming from the lender who financed the transaction. Uh, and the beauty of that is, while it's a small database, I think we're closing in on 14,000 transactions, um, it is a very clean database. Uh, it is a great uh, tool for those business advisors who are guiding their clients to determine and set expectations for what their business should sell for in the open market. Now, we're not taking away the local expertise that a, that a business advisor has, right? Because everybody that lives in a certain area knows what businesses should or should not sell for. Um Business brokers aren't business evaluators. We're, they're, they're, they're not appraisers. Um, but the, but the, this peer comps database provides them with a what I would consider to be a very solid expectation of market multiples for businesses in this specific industry. It can help guide them in the right direction when it comes to listing that business for sale at the right price. Um, and, and we believe that's a great tool uh, for every business advisor's toolbox when it comes to help their clients sell their business. It's, it's, it really has turned out to be a very, very valuable tool for people in the M&A market. Yeah, I, I really like it myself. Uh, like you said, it's a very clean set of data. Uh, you know, people usually are not um, putting in falsified uh, tax returns to their SBA lenders to get loans. Um, you know, that might be a, a thing on on a small cases basis. But for the most part, this is very clean data. It's right off their tax returns um, and their financials that they report at the end of the deal. So like you said, it's a, it's a great set of data. You know, you brought one 
thing that might be a little bit interesting to talk about. There's a lot of movement in the country, uh, people moving from certain areas to other areas and uh, the in-migration in, in some areas. I, I, how, how important is location in trying to understand some multiples? Do, do you take that into account a lot? We do, but it's not, it doesn't have an impact as much as you might think. Um, you know, when it comes to, and, you know, and we've used and, and have done studies internally, uh, you know, in our shop uh, to, to try to make sure that we're not missing anything. But when you go back and look at data from, we'll call it 98 to 2002, right, that takes into consideration 9-11, and then 2002, 2010, and then 2010, 2021, and then 98 to 22, right? So you look at all these different segments of data. And while you would see that there is a, a gentle cycle of ups and downs in some of those times when there have been influence from outside factors like those ones I just mentioned, those events, um, it's not as great as you think. And, and the beauty of that, too, is that when it comes to small business transactions, there isn't a lot of regional presence when it comes to market multiples. And, and the reason why is because small businesses have an inherent amount of risk. It doesn't matter where you're at, where you're located. Most businesses in the same industry, regardless of state or region, operate relatively the same. They're structured the same financially. The market in terms of how they serve their clients are the same for the most part. You might find you know, an exception there might be liquor stores in the Northeast are highly, highly marketable. Um, you know, liquor, liquor licenses are extremely hard to get uh, in, in the Northeast. And therefore, mm. liquor, you know, liquor stores are very, very they're priced very aggressively and the multiples reflect that um, beyond, beyond certain segments like that. You just don't see a lot of regional uh, impact when it comes to market multiples. Yeah. I, I, I suspected that was the answer and uh, you just confirmed it. So, you know, in wrapping up and uh, you know, a lot of uh, small business owners listen to this podcast. Some of, of course, a lot of business brokers as well. You know, what's your one piece of advice to business owners as they might think about selling or might think about, you know, maximizing their value in the future. What's your one piece of advice that you have for them? Well, I got actually I got a couple things. Okay. And, and obviously, in a in a perfect world, Andy, you know that that you know the when you exit a business, you should give yourself enough time. Most people don't have that luxury, especially when things come up, age comes up, all kinds of events come up. So you can't plan for that. But in, in a perfect world, we would suggest always that if you've got two or three years to prepare, take the two to three years. Uh, forget about trying to minimize your tax burden, maximize your profitability, maximize your value, eliminate all of those personal expenses that you're running through the business, um, clean up the financial statements, because a clean set of financial statements will take you so much further than you think when it comes to va the, the value of your business when you're ready to sell. If you can eliminate that and have a clean tax return, clean set of financial statements, the, you know, the, the, there, there's at least a two or three percent or more increase in terms of premium when it comes to the market multiples of that particular fact. So if you can just do that, that's one thing. Number two, don't try to sell something you haven't done yet. You know, that's for that's for whoever buys that business is going to be able to do that. Don't factor in what you think the business should do under new ownership. Worry about what you've done with it up to this point. That's all you can do at this at this stage when you are ready to exit. What you are selling is what somebody else is inheriting at that particular moment. So if you can just focus on what you've done up to this time, focus on all the great hard work that you've done and maximize that value, I think 
the ability to set expectation, get the deal done. Uh, everybody's going to be happy at that point. No bad things will happen. Um, it's a smoother transition, I think, if you do it that way. Those are the two things I would always suggest. It's great. A great advice. I love number two. You know, I never heard <laughs> it put that way. So that was great. Darren, if somebody wanted to get in touch with GCF and get evaluation, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can always reach out to me, the demise at gvalue.com. Uh, we've got customer service at gvalue.com as well. But actually, uh, the, the best way to do that, go to our website, it's just gvalue.com. Um, all kinds of resources there for you. There's a contact us button. You can see everybody on staff there as well. Any particular person you want to reach out to, um, just contact us there. But you can always reach out to me if you want to. Excellent. Excellent conversation, Darren. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Always happy to come back when, when you want me. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Hi, welcome back, everybody. And this week on the deal board, we have Gary Goldwasser joining us again from our Transworld Business Advisors office in Denver, Colorado. Gary, welcome back to the show. Happy to be back, Jessica. So you closed yet another deal. I know you, you close lots of deals every year, but you've been with us a few times on the show and you've got a new one to share with us today. Tell us a little bit about the business. Yeah, this was a um, what we would call a pretty good size electoral contractor. They were doing about $5 million in revenue. Uh, they came to us. I had done some marketing and uh, they came to us and met with us. Oh, it was almost uh, 10 months ago. Uh, we went through the process of finding the right buyers. They had a little bit of a downturn during COVID because they have a lot of government contracts, airports, that kind of stuff, So uh, and schools. So some of their projects were pushed back, and then they started to get their backlog going late 2021, and now it's really strong for, for 2022. And, Sounds like a good business. I'm sure you had a lot of interest in that company. Yeah, we had a lot of activity right off the bat. Um, the, uh, we went out at uh, $1.75 million as an asking price, plus we also had real estate involved. And so uh, the real estate was just under a million bucks um, as far as an appraisal. So Nice. So anything interesting happened in the deal or any learning lessons that you can share with the buyers and sellers that are listening today? Yes. Um, first off, so pretty, you know, we went through a lot. We went through, we had like two or three buyers that looked at it and decided it wasn't a good fit. They had made some steps down, you know, steps forward. Um, this one buyer that we got really liked the business. We set up meetings. We got the due diligence going, really liked it. There was great rapport being established. Uh, these guys, on top of our weekly meetings, they were meeting once a week for breakfast. And so things were moving really well. Um, we ran into some bank hurdles early on and the uh, buyer switched banks. So we lost probably 60 days during that. Um, and, uh, so the, and the, and the buyer was really tight to the vest on his relationship with the bank. So we didn't really have a lot of eyeballs or access to the bank, um, which mm -hmm. in our world, we like to at least know, you know, who the players are and have some communication because it helps with the deal flow, but he was pretty tight on that. Yeah, it's just another example of why also with the having to switch banks, I don't know exactly what happened, but it's it's really important that the buyers are using, you know, lenders that are experienced in 
um, business acquisitions and experience in specific industries, or in this case, experience in real estate, right? Too, right. because you're doing both a business acquisition and a real estate acquisition. Exactly. So um, as we got into the deal, we had um, appraisals on the property and that came in right where the sellers thought it was. Um, everybody agreed to that. Um, we did have some encroachment issues on the property and the uh, electoral contractor was very, you know, as we work in a very confidential atmosphere, didn't want the neighbors to know that he was selling his business, hmm. but the buyer wanted, you know, needed this uh, encroachment uh, letter signed by um, the uh, neighbors that, you know, this isn't going to be an issue because this, this property had been here and the, and the, uh, the survey and everything had been done. It's 60 years old. So, so how do you got, handle that then? Like, you know, you have to get this encroachment letter signed for the bank and for the buyer, but you can't tell your neighbor that you're selling. So what did you do? Yeah, it was really difficult actually. So we finally got the sell the buyer. How we ended up solving it was we agreed that we could close, we could have that letter signed right after closing and that the uh, seller had 30 days to, to help with the buyer to uh, to get that letter signed. And there was a slight, uh, I would call it holdback of, uh, I think it was like $5,000 or so, just to make sure that um, we got that letter, you know, that, that the sellers took the time to get that done. And so that worked out, ended up working out great, you know, um, a little risk on the buyer side, but again, with it, with it being 40, 40 or 60 years, it was a crazy number and the property hasn't moved. Nobody said anything. They've gone through buyers of other businesses from both neighbors. So it really, it really didn't have a lot of uh, legs, but, mm -hmm. you know, we have to, we have to cover our bases and make sure that we're, you know, protecting our, our seller and our buyer in that case. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, really creative deal solving on your part, Gary, not surprised because that's something you do very well. And just trying to find a middle ground between what the buyer needs to feel safe and secure and what the seller needs to make sure that it remains confidential. So you said you went out at 1.75 million mm -hmm. for the asking price. Where did you end up for the purchase price and, and how did the buyer pay for the business? Yeah, so the buyer ended up doing an SBA loan. And so um, we ended up selling the business side. Um, at closing, he got 1.6 million, but he but the um they had an earnout opportunity to get another uh hundred thousand dollars to get to one point uh seven. So mm -hmm. um, and they've got a pre pretty realistic earnout opportunity uh based on uh, revenue and profitability for uh, the, you know, for, look forwarding 12 months. And then the property was uh, at fair market value. We had three appraisals and we took the one that was kind of in the middle and uh, that ended up appraising at 925. So nice. um, it was a really good deal. I think at the end, I mean, you know, it's always great to be at the closing and everybody's feeling good and everybody feel like they've got a little bit, you know, there's no uh, ill feelings or someone feel like one side got slighted and doesn't. It was, it was pretty fair right down the middle. Yeah. And true compromise, right? Yes. 
Yes. Well, it sounds like a great deal, Gary. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with our listeners. I think it's a different story, especially with the real estate component. So hopefully people took some learning lessons out of that. If there is a buyer or seller that's looking to acquire or sell a business in the Colorado area, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, yes, they could get a hold of me calling 303-748-7420 or ggoldwasser at tworld.com. Awesome. And we'll drop that into our show notes as well. Gary, I'm sure we'll have you back on the show soon, but we always enjoy having you here. So don't be a stranger. Sounds great. Thanks, Jessica. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Welcome back, everybody. And it is listing of the week. And I have Sam Curcio here from Transworld Business Advisors of New York. We were just pronouncing your last name. What's the proper pronunciation? Uh, yeah, in Italian, it's Curcio. There you go. And it's Kenyatta as well. But we're not here to talk about <laughs> Italian last names. We're here to talk about your listing. Tell us about your listing. Thanks so much, Andy. Yeah, so we have uh, an excellent interior design architecture firm for sale. They also do repositioning work. Uh, they're currently listed at $3.9 million. They did uh, just over $2.4 million in 2021 with an SDE or I should say EBITDA of uh, $1.1 million. And what's really nice is that it is a uh, SBA prequal deal. And the owners are looking to retire, so they're happy to stick around for an extended transition period. Excellent. Sounds like a really good deal for someone who might want to expand their current architectural firm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a, a deal that's good for somebody who's looking to get into the New York market. Uh, they've been around for a long time with strong roots, uh, but they do do work internationally. Excellent. So if somebody wants to learn more, what's the best way to get in touch with you? You can reach me at 646-470-9433 or at S-C-U-R-C-I-O at tworld.com. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the deal board, everyone. And as you know, we're talking about one of your favorite topics today, talking about valuation. What is a business truly worth? And I'm really excited because we have one of the top experts in the industry joining us today to help us talk about valuation and valuation data. David Fine is the president and CEO of Value Source. They've been around for 36 years. Like I said, leading expert in the field. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So David, let's just start about this conversation. We'll, we'll get into data in a minute, but like, you know, what, what do you see in terms of buyers and sellers trying to wrap their heads around when it comes to how, how to value a business? Well, I think it's a really um, hard thing. I think, you know, buyers and sellers, um, and I, I would include myself in that. I, I run a small business, right? Um, you know, we spend our lives looking at P&Ls, right? That's what drives the whole thing. But I think what's hard to understand is the P&L does not equal value. So that's the fuzzy part. You know, we spend our, our time trying to increase revenue, increase net, you know, get cash flow up. We all get that. But we really don't understand the connection between that and value. Yeah, that's a it's a really good point. I mean, and, and I think some 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 business owners even sometimes taking a step back don't really understand how the P and L is driving some of those numbers. That's a, a conversation sure, for a different. Sure. Time. Yeah. So um, let's talk about a little bit about data. But before we jump into that, I think it'd be helpful for the listeners to hear what Value Source does. So can you talk a little bit about the company and what you've done in the business sale environment? Sure. Well, like you said, we've been around for 36 years, which is a little hard to believe. It's been a very long time. But uh, we started out uh, writing business valuation software for business valuation professionals, credentialed valuators that are doing this you know, for a living. And um, we've expanded 
um, into, uh, you know, business brokers, you know, anybody that wants to know what a business is worth. So now we have an entire line of business valuation products and data and report writers that do that. So that's what we do. We, if, if you want help automating the entire process of, you know, valuing a business, um, we're the, we're the company that creates the software and data that makes that happen. So by doing that, I assume you collect a lot of data on sole businesses. Is that correct? Yeah, we actually own the largest, um, source of data for, for sold businesses. It's the, uh, value source market comps database. And it's the, it's been around for decades and it has more comparable transactions than any other database out there. Yeah. And we talked, um, for listeners who haven't, um, heard about, uh, heard this episode yet, if you go back just a couple, go to our valuation episode, we explain the difference between a couple different valuation methods. And we, we mentioned the market method, which is utilizing comparable data in the marketplace about you know, private sales, past sales history. And there's a lot of different data that we can collect. David, what are, you know, what are some of the interesting things that you see in those databases that are collected by both brokers and uh, buyers and sellers? Um, Well, there's some really fascinating data. We've been looking at that data for a long time. And since we um, acquired that database, I don't know, 10 years ago, um, we've really had a chance to look at that kind of data, not only ours, but we also resell other sources of data. And so it's been a very interesting um, challenge to look at that data and pull stuff out of it. I think the thing to me that is fascinating is, and let me give you an example. Um, let's take a look at, you're in Denver. So let's take a look at mm-hmm. restaurants in Denver. And um, you know, some brokers obviously know what PE ratios are. Some buyers and sellers may not, but you know, the ratio of what the price uh, divided by the earnings is, it's a simple ratio. That range is so large in restaurants. So what that means is, you know, everybody knows that a business that is making more money is going to sell for more. That sort of intuitively makes sense. But what they don't understand is, let's say you've got 50 restaurants that are all making the exact same amount of money. The revenue is the same and the net is the same. They don't sell for the same, right? And that's a surprising, it was a very surprising thing to me to see the range. So in Denver for restaurants, for example, that range is about 400%. So if you have a bunch of restaurants that let's say, you know, they're all bringing in a half a million dollars as an example, and you've got, you know, the one at, at the, uh, you know, one in and one at the other end, the one at the, the better performing restaurant, and that that's not revenue or net, other things is going to sell for four times what the lowest performing restaurant is. And that's a, that's a shocking thing to most people. Yeah, it's, it's a really big range. And I think that's a, that's a lot of times where I think business brokers and advisors struggle too. if somebody's like, you know, hey, just ballpark, what's my business worth? Like, just give me a ballpark, right? Like off the top of your head, what's the rule of thumb, right? Right, right. Yeah. because yeah. No, and I think you're right. I think, um, you know, and business owners, it's really interesting. We've done some sort of informal studies and business owners tend to um, overestimate the value of their business by 50 to 200%. That's sort of a, a, an average range because, because that is kind of complicated and they don't understand that piece. But to me, one of the um, exciting things about looking at those kind of things is, you know, business owners understand that if you want to make a more valuable business, you obviously have to have it bring in more revenue and you have to have it bring in more net. That's pretty obvious. But what they don't understand is that's not all what's going on. And I think, you know, the business valuation formula that, you know, many people don't realize buyers and sellers have never heard of this value is cash flow divided by risk. And like I said, PL, I mean, you know, if you boil it down to one number, it's cash flow. How much money is in the checking account, right? Everybody understands that. What they don't understand is the risk piece. So, um, and there's a lot of components to risk. You know, for example, one, one risk in a business that people are familiar with is if your concentration of customers 
is too small. Like let's say, you know, you've got a customer that's 25 or 30% of your business. If something happens to that customer, and that actually happened to us as a company too. I'm very familiar with that and the the panic that that, that sort of um, sets off. But yeah, if that's a risk, right? So a buyer that's going to buy your business that's looking at that, if you've got a large concentration in your business with one customer, that's a risky thing. So they're going to pay less for that. And there's many things that make a business more or less risky. And what business owners don't understand is you can make your business more valuable leaving the revenue in the net exactly the same by just decreasing risk. And you can understand that if the business owner um, puts the hat on of them buying their own business, like looking at it and saying, you know, is revenue um, you know, sustainable? Is it recurring? Is it safe? What about the management team? And then you know, one problem all of us owners have is we're control freaks, right? And we're too involved. And so like when the owner leaves, when there's a transition, that's a risk too, if the owner hasn't built systems and teams in place. So those are a couple of examples of things that increase risk that decrease the value of the business. I think it's a great point. It's like all those qualitative factors that we can't, you know, we can't get account for in, in, in numbers that create more risk. And it's funny, you do mention that well, um, I do a speaking engagement workshop on um, business with business owners on how to increase the value of their business. And the first thing we try and identify is risk. And it's funny if you give um, business owners, or if you're a business owner, I encourage you to do this. If you do a case study on someone else's company, or you go on biz by sell and you find a company that you would be a buyer for, um, there there's a lot more honesty through that process. And a, a lot more, I, I'd say, um, picking, picking apart little details than if you sit with the buyer's hat on, then the seller's hat. And, and oh, absolutely. That, that that's, it'd be the same for, for us, right, David, if we were looking at our company, like it's it, at, at some point it's like our baby and it's hard to pick it apart. Um, but putting that buyer's hat on really changes the perspective. Uh, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. So I think the data is an important thing to look at. And the truth is, um, you know, the data is the actual price that businesses have sold for. And it's not like, um, you know, there's not issues or challenges with interpreting the data or do you have the right data or do you have enough data points, but it really gives you a range of, you know, sort of what the industry is doing in terms of what, you know, restaurants, for example, in Denver sell for it. It really helps shine a light on, you know, the, the sort of ballpark range of what you can expect as well as, I, I mean, for me, it's that, you know, sort of strategic question. And I think, you know, business owners becoming strategic and looking at their business from a perspective of growing value. You know, sometimes we never do that. Sometimes it's late at the game. Sometimes it's right before we sell. Um, but that data really helps you look at that and say, I remember I was talking to a, a plumbing company in Colorado Springs and we were helping them with value and looking at comparables. And I think they were trading at about, or their, their, their price to earnings ratio when we came up with the number was about one and a half. But looking at the data on the upper end at like the 75th or 80th percentile, it was like three times that, it was like four and a half. So what that means is there's operational things, there's things that you can do in the business besides, like I said, raising revenue and, and net that will drastically increase the value of the business. And it was interesting because the guy's eyes lit up and he goes, you know what, I've got I've got a, you know, a CPA that tells me about finance and I've got, you know, a coach that helps me with business, but no one has ever told me that. No one has ever showed me, wow, this is what businesses sell for. And if I focus on some things to really increase value, now obviously you can increase revenue and net too, which will increase it even more, but all those things that, that are those subtle qualitative things that, that affect risk that, like you said, if you put your buyer's hat on, you go, of course, you know, I'm buying a restaurant and the lease is, is, you know, over in a year and, you know, it looks like they're going to double the rent. That's a risk, right? Yeah. Big, big risk. And, and nobody likes to move too. So let's be honest. That's a, that's a huge uh, turn off with the business, but big risk. You know what, David, um, one question I get a lot um, about the data 
is, and, and maybe we just go back to this as, as basic stuff that you and I know, but, um, a lot of our clients will be like, well, where does this stuff come from? Like, where does this past sales history come from? So if you could explain a little bit about, you know, how are you guys, um, a- acquiring this data and from whom, and, and do you know that it's accurate and safe? Cause I get a lot sure. of those questions. Yeah, no, that's too. a great question. Um, yeah. we, we get it from people like you, we get it from business brokers. Um, and, uh, you know, we work with organizations like yours. We work with hundreds of brokers from around the country and they give us, um, the data from the businesses that they've sold. And the reason they want to do that is because, you know, we, we give them access to the database and as a business broker, they want access to that so that they can, you know, when you're selling a business and you're putting, um, you know, a deal book together or whatever, you know, you've got access to that data. So yes, we, we get that data from the people that actually sell the businesses. And that's, and that's then great. The, the quality control thing, that's an interesting piece too. Um, you know, cause it's not like, uh, you know, we can go review their books or something, but what we do do is statistical analysis and look at outliers and look at um, a lot of different kinds of things. And it's amazing how much um, you can find out about the quality of data by just comparing it to other pieces of data in the database. And since we have, I don't know what the number is, is it over 40,000 transactions over decades? So we understand the trends, we understand what those things look like, and we know what data is, is wrong. Now, is it perfect? No. But is it solid enough to uh, really be useful? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's important for our listeners to understand because it is, it's coming from professionals, right? Professionals are using the database. So they, they know how to use um, some of those parameters to make sure that we're throwing out the outliers and things like that. But there's a lot of data in there, you know, 40,000 transactions is a lot. So it's, it's not just picking one restaurant, right. That might, might've sold in Denver. It's picking from hundreds. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a really important. It's a question I get a lot from our, our clients yeah. about that too. Well, and I think, you know, I, I think from the, from you're talking about buyers and sellers too, for both buyers and sellers, I think it provides a comfort because like you said, if you start talking about valuation multiples and valuation theory, everybody's eyes glaze over, there's no gut feel, you know, is that right? Is that real? Does that make sense? How do I believe this? Um, but when you're, when you look at comps, you know, if you're selling a restaurant and you go, wow, you know, these are the, these are what actual business is sold for, you know, you can get a sense of that range. And the other thing that is really interesting too is, um, you know, it, it's, you know, if a business owner thinks that, let's say they have some number in their head and you go, wow, you know, that's at the 95th percentile of what businesses sell for. In other words, it's the very top of the range. You know, can, can you justify that? Are there reasons why, you know, your restaurant is, um, you know, really in the excellent category, it's performing better, it's less risky, it's something a buyer really, really wants. And it really helps business owners and sellers, you know, put that hat on that says, okay, you know, what, how do I really explain this? Or, you know, if you're buying, if I'm going to spend that much money, can I really justify it? Now, buyers obviously are in a different perspective because they're writing a check. So they tend to, you know, focus in on that more. Sellers, it's a little bit, you know, it's it's a different kind of a story. Like you said, it's their baby. They've been doing it for a long time. There's a lot of pride in there. So sometimes that gets confused with what the thing is worth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, just like any other transaction, like different priorities on either side. And that's where the negotiation comes in. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. Um, so, so what would be your advice to somebody who's wondering what their business is worth or even a buyer that's vetting a deal and trying to figure out what this thing is really worth? Like what would be your advice? Where do they start? Well, um, you didn't pay me to say this, but <laughs> go find a good broker. Um, because there's two things. One, you know, you can get a business valued um, in an abstract sense by a professional evaluator. But I think, you know, someone like you, a business broker that's in the market that understands the economic conditions on the ground, can really look at that business and figure it out. I would say a conversation with a broker is absolutely the best thing you can do because, 
you know, you can do a, you know, you can go out and spend $10,000 and get, you know, a quote evaluation, but that, you know, the purpose of that really is a little different than buy sell, you know, if you're getting a formal valuation. So I always say, I think brokers are absolutely the best source of that kind of information, you know, and the data is hard to get to. I mean, that data is not really available, but your, your broker has that data and you can ask, you know, what are businesses of my kind selling in the last couple of years in this area? And I think just that list of what those kind of businesses have sold with a conversation with the broker, because you are the one that can look at that business and say, okay, here's the range. But since that range is so large, where does that business really fit and why? Yeah. Your, your commission checks in the mail, David. Thank you. <laughs> and I say kidding. that all the time. I, you know, it's, I, yeah. I believe that in my heart that is, you know, like I told you, someone told me, someone called me last week and said they had a friend that was trying to sell a business by themselves. And I begged with them. I said, do not do that. You think you're saving money. You are not, you know, the, the mistakes and problems you can get into. It's just, it's endless besides value. I mean, value is just the top of the, you know, tip of the iceberg when it comes to that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah I'm a big believer in brokers and well, we bought and sold our, I've, I've been involved in a number of transactions and we've always had, you know, a broker and intermediary involved. And I've always been grateful. I mean, more than grateful. Oh, I appreciate that. And I, you know what, we wouldn't do our jobs nearly as well with the data that your companies um, provide us and all the tools and resources. So I also do want to give you an opportunity before we close. Can you just give us um, contact information, especially for our broker listeners, if they're not working with value source or any of your tools, where can they find out more information about the company and how they can partner together? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you can go to our website, www.valuesource.com. It's V-A-L-U-S-O-U-R-C-E.com. And we have tools for brokers, not just the data, but we have a, um, a great broker valuation tool. That's a, it's sort of a ballpark estimating tool that, you know, you can use, and it's actually the most widely used um, valuation tool in the brokerage industry. So they can look at the data, they look at that, or they can just call us if they want, you know, if you guys have questions on the data or how you interpret, we'd be happy to talk to you. All right. Well, I really appreciate um, you coming on the show. We'd love to have you back again soon. I hope this provided value to our listeners, no pun intended with value source, um, <laughs> but just give you kind of a behind the curtain scene of if this is how the valuations get done and this is how the, the data is kept and collected. So David, thank you so much for joining us on the show and for your insights. You're very welcome. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Hey, we're back and it is listing of the week. And I am with the Bob Dumphy from Transworld Business Advisors of New York City. And Bob has a great deal for us today. Yeah, there can only be one of me and thankful for that. Um, so, so this is a great listing. It's actually a fabulous neighborhood restaurant on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. It's a Mexican restaurant. Uh, their numbers are already succeeded 2019 from COVID. Uh, in addition, because of the way the New York City has put uh, street level uh, dining, they've picked up another 36 seats. So they're actually, from a dining standpoint, probably 33% larger in terms of seats, which going into the summer season with outdoor is going to bode really well for, for 2022. Uh, the owner had three locations. He shut those down. He sold one. He closed one when the landlord jacked the rent. Uh, and now he's just looking to retire. So it's a great deal. His SDE is in the three, 350 range. And he's only asking five ninety nine for it, so it's a pretty good deal in New York City. Wow, less than two times, and he's ready to rock. He is ready to rock. Yeah. Absolutely. All, right, all right, Bob. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, phone number is easiest to remember: nine one seven five eight nine zero nine seven seven. I'll spell my last name. It's B Dunphy. B D U N is in Nancy. B is in Peter. H Y at tworld.com. Excellent. Great deal. All right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, 
would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.